Hello and welcome to the premiere episode of It's Those Damn Enchiladas. And in this, my very first episode, I'm going to do a special on box office numbers on the films that were number one at the box office on given weekends. Now, I'm not going to do your typical number one big franchise superhero blockbuster movies. Movies that you know are going to be number one. I'm going to do the unbelievable number ones. Films that are lesser known. Maybe they're hated. Maybe they're completely forgotten. And there's a few of them uh, that I never heard of. Um, anyway, this is my first episode, so bear with me. This is this is all new to me. Um, be gentle, if you will. And we're going to start the episode on unbelievable number ones. Number one movies at the box office on weekends that you may have never heard of. We're going to start at the very beginning of the year 1980 and the third week of 1980, January 18th. The number one film was Windows. Um, 1980, kind of a slasher, psychological thriller. Um, Talia Shire and I forgot the other woman's name, Elizabeth Montgomery. Um... It has a big studio gloss to it, but it's a pretty sleazy film and uh, a bit a bit offensive uh, by today's standards. Um, but it is Windows. I finally saw this for the first time about a year ago, and it's not worth seeing. I have no idea why it was number one at the box office. Um, but it was. Anyway... Windows. Uh, the next weekend in 1980, January 25th, the number one film was Guyana, Cult of the Damned, a wonderfully trashy exploitation film about the uh, Jim Jones mass suicide in Guyana. Um, stars Stuart Whitman and I forget who else. If you like trashy exploitation, um, taking advantage of real life tragedies, you'll enjoy it. Um, but I, you know, it, it is what it is. It's a B movie about, uh, Jim Jones. So that was January 25th. Guyana, Guyana Cult of the Damned was the number one film at the box office. Um, uh, I, I guess, uh, people, you know, probably high on cocaine, starved, uh, for something. Um, let's move on. And by the way, I need to let people know I'm kind of doing this all on a whim. I'm using Box Office Mojo and just going week by week by week. Um, I'm only spotlighting the lesser known titles, movies that I can't believe were number one at the box office. Uh, so bear with me. It's a uh, uh, little new to this. And we're just started with 1980. We're going to move on. February 8th. The weekend of February 8th, 1980, the number one film in the country was The Last Married Couple in America. I vaguely remember this airing on cable way back when. Uh, George Siegel. Uh, George Siegel was in everything in the 70s up to the early 80s. He, that man worked a lot, and, and God bless him, he's still working. He's on that show, The Goldbergs. Obviously, he plays the grandfather. Um, but The Last Married Couple in America was the number one film that week. I, I forget the female lead on that. It was probably Susan St. James or something. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. But uh, that was the number one film that weekend. The Last Married Couple in America. Uh, moving on. Uh, some of the, uh, like, like, okay, Jaws 2 was the number one film the next weekend. And that was a re-release of Jaws 2. Uh, that's not really surprising, so I'm not going to mention it. Uh, a few weeks later, you had Coal Miner's Daughter, the uh, Sissy Spacek biopic, I believe, about Loretta, Loretta Lynn, I think. Anyway, it was a very popular movie, so I'm not going to spotlight that at all. March 14th, 1980, A Small Circle of Friends was the number one film at the box office. And I have absolutely no idea what that is. Um... I'd read the synopsis, but it sounds really boring, so I'm not going to bother with it. But it, 
got someone's attention because it was the number one film that week. The week of March 14th, 1980, A Small Circle of Friends. The next weekend, March 21st, Little Miss Marker. Now, I do remember this comedy. This was Walter Matthau and a little girl, and it took place in the 30s or the 20s. I don't know, but it wasn't very good. Little Miss Marker was the number one film, March 21st, 1980. Moving on, a few weeks later, April 18th, 1980, Folks. Folks is spelled F-F-O-L-K-E-S. It's one of those international spy thrillers. Uh, we, we got a lot of those in the 70s and into the 80s. Um, stars Roger Moore. I've never seen it and don't want to see it. Um, the next weekend we have Where the Buffalo Roam. That was the number one film in on April 25th. 1980. That is the Bill Murray comedy where he plays Hunter S. Thompson. Um, I've never seen it. I've heard mixed things about it. I, I should see it. I've seen most of what Bill Murray has done. Uh, but that was the number one film on March 28th. Um, probably number one because Bill Murray was, uh, oh, I guess he was, uh, uh, this was right before. Anyway, he's coming off SNL and this was right before Caddyshack and Stripes. So he was on the, he was probably a pretty big name at that time. Uh, anyway, Where the Buffalo Roam, number one, on April 25th, 1980. And I'm going to skip the summer because they look like very familiar titles. Uh, the Empire Strikes Back pretty much dominated the summer of 1980. No big surprise there. We have Smokey and the Bandit 2 was number one on August 15th, 1980. The next week, August 29th, so we're almost done with 1980, August 29th, the number one film was Battle Creek Brawl. It was the number one film on August 29th, Labor Day weekend, 1980. Battle Creek Brawl, I have no idea what that is. Uh, it looks like a... Uh, uh, come, it looks like a, a young Asian-American artist is forced to participate in a brutal formal, formal street fighting competition so it's it's mortal combat on an even lower budget i'm guessing um so battle creek brawl the number one film august 29th 1980 okay let's go to september 26th 1980 the number one film was in god we trust uh this film i do remember playing on cable way back when this is uh Marty Feldman, Marty Feldman, Richard Pryor, Andy Kaufman, uh, Louise Lasser. It's um, it's not very good, <laughs> but it was one of those kind of Monty Python, SNL influence comedies. We got a lot of those around then. Um, in fact, the film Holy Moses, which I often confuse with In God We Trust, uh, was released, um, I believe, a few weeks earlier yes holy moses was released on june 19th and it's basically the same thing as in god we trust meaning that you have a, a very talented cast and uh, <clears throat> it's just not funny uh, but that was the number one film on the weekend of september 26 1980 Okay. Oh, October 24th. So we're thinking Halloween, right? Number one film, Motel Hell. Uh, I hope to talk about this film more in depth in later episodes. Motel Hell is a glorious dark comedy. Um, Roy Calhoun stars. Uh, Nancy Parsons, who's probably best known as playing Miss Balbricker from the Porky's films. She's in it. And I'm going to get into this movie on another episode because it is glorious. And, and good for uh, the folks back in 1980 that made Motel Hell the number one film on October 26th, 1980. You know, Motel Hell just doesn't have the cult following it should have. Um, but anyway, moving to the next weekend, and this is the weekend of Halloween, October 31st, 1980. The number one film is The Awakening, a mummy movie starring Charlton Heston. And if you think that sounds exciting, 
you're insane because it is just as dull as it may sound. Uh, I, I actually own this, uh, shame to say, and it's, it's not worth watching. It's Charlton Heston uh, in 1980 who thinks it's 1950s, and he's doing a really lame, dull mummy film. You know, that movie may have caused the mummy films to kind of disappear until uh, the Brendan Fraser blockbuster uh, kind of brought it back in the late 90s. But anyway, for what it's worth, The Awakening was the number one film, Halloween Weekend, on 1980. Um, let's see, the holiday season, you have some big box office hits. The number one movie on... Christmas weekend was a film called First Family with uh, who was it? Gilda Radner, Bob Newhart, and uh, I've seen parts of it, and it it looked really lame. Um, once again, it's another one of those comedies like In God We Trust and Holy Moses, where you have very talented people, and it's just not funny. But for what it's worth, the number one film, um, December twenty sixth, nineteen eighty is First Family. Yeah, that's not very good. And it's really surprising that that movie was number one, especially on the holiday weekend when you think. Wow. Anyway, moving on to the year 1981. We are on 1981. We are talking about the unbelievable number one films at the box office, the films that just aren't that popular or like... A few of the titles I've already covered that I'd never heard of them. So, it doesn't mean they're bad. I just never heard of them. Okay. Let's move on to the year 1981. And going, starting from the beginning of the year, um, the number one film on President's Day weekend, February 13th, 1981, is Sphinx. Sphinx played on cable all the time. It's uh, Leslie Ann Down, uh, Frank Langella. Oh, uh, John Ray's Davies, I believe he's in it. The guy from um, the guy from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, it's decent for what it is, but it's it wasn't very well liked when it came out, and I believe it's based off a book. Um, but either, anyway, that was the number one film, February thirteenth, nineteen eighty one. Um, I'll skip some of these because they are fairly popular. Excalibur was number one. Friday the 13th Part 2. Bust and Lose. Wow. Go all the way. Under the Rainbow was number one. Student Bodies was the number one film on August 7th, 1981. Uh, Student Bodies is a horror parody. And um, I like it. I mean... It's 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 lame. There's a few laughs. Uh, I think it's worth seeing once. Um, but yeah, student bodies might be one that I cover in a later episode. Um, so I, I guess people were still still going to the slashers in 1981, even though this is a comedy and not really a slasher. And I, I don't believe there's even any blood in it. Um, but I remember the video box for Student Bodies, and it scared the hell out of me as a little kid. Had the the cheerleader with the um, what do you call it, the bullhorn shoved in her mouth, and she, you know, it freaked me out as a kid. But uh, anyway, Student Bodies, the, the number one film on August seventh, nineteen eighty one. Excuse me. Uh, moving on to. October 23rd, 1981, the number one film is Silence of the North. I have no idea what Silence of the North is. Um, it looks pretty dull. I, well, you know, for whatever reason, it was number one that weekend, October 23rd, 1981. And moving on toward the end of the year, these are all fairly popular movies, Time Bandits, Ragtime, Reds. Uh, the only exception would be Rollover was the number one film, December 11th, 1981. This was Jane Fonda and Chris Christopherson. 
Uh, I don't know what it's about, uh, but I, I guess they were big enough draws to um, to make Rollover the number one film. December 11th, 1981. So we are up to the year 1982, and we are going to continue our look at the number one films, the unbelievable number one films from the years past. Uh, I want to thank you for listening to this first podcast that I've done, and please bear with me through all the awkward delays like the one right now. And um, there we have it. Like I said, I'm doing this on a whim, so bear with me. Okay, start 1982. Um, you have some Burt Reynolds. You have Burt Reynolds' Sharky's Machine on Golden Pond, which was a huge, huge movie. Um, February 12th, 1981, One from the Heart was the number one film in 1982. This was, uh, Francis Ford Coppola's, um, big budget, uh, vanity project. Um, I'm, I'm sure it was number one because it, it, there was a lot of press. I mean, the press was really after Francis Ford Coppola at this time mm. to, um, to make a flop because he was coming off some huge hits. And One from the Heart is stars Frederick Forrest and Terry Garr. And it's a beautiful movie to look at. It's kind of a mess narratively. But uh, you should check it out, One from the Heart. It's worth watching at least once. Uh, some gorgeous black and white photography. Uh, moving on through the years. Oh, by the way, and yeah, that was... The number one film of February 12th, 1982. Uh, moving on through the summer, it's they're all kind of... Wow, Porky's dominated the summer in 1982. No wonder people resent that movie so much. It was incredibly popular. Um, you have uh, Richard Pryor concert film was number one. Porky's was number one for two months. Wow. Uh, Conan the Barbarian, Rocky Three. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, then E.T.'s released, and E.T. was the number one film for about for about two months, then Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, Friday the 13th Part 3, yay, uh, no real shocking number one films for the rest of 1982. I notice... As I get more and more current, the surprising number one films, they're less and less every year. Um, that's probably because later day Hollywood, they, they play it too safe. It's always sequels and reboots and remakes and comic book movies and big franchise tentpole films, you know, so, so there won't be so many. As uh, I keep moving along. Anyway, I'm up to the year 1983. In this look at the unbelievable number ones. And on March 18th, 1983, High Road to China. The number one film. Uh, mostly, I'm guessing, due to Tom Selleck's uh, star power. I've never seen High Road to China, but I've... Haven't heard or read very good things about it. Um, Tom Selleck and I believe Bess Armstrong was the female lead in that. Whatever happened to her, Bess Armstrong? I'm, I hope she's still working and I hope she's doing well. High Road to China, the number one film, March 18th, 1983. A few weeks later, March 25th. The number one film was Spring Break, the Sean S. Cunningham uh, Spring Break uh, kind of lowbrow comedy uh, starring, not really starring anyone, but, um, uh, oh, Perry Lang's in that, who an actor I like a lot. Uh, Perry Lang is in Spring Break, and I forgot the, the other guy's lead. He was actually very good in that. Um, I like the film Spring Break. Um, I've always liked that movie. Uh, one of the best video covers or posters ever. 
uh, for that film, and that probably has something to do with it being number one. It was number one two weeks, which is uh, quite a quite a feat for a low budget uh, movie that I, I I know critics didn't like. Um, but anyway, that that's one I might talk about later. Spring Break's a fun film, so tame by today's standards. Watch a movie like Spring Break, and you you couldn't believe that that was considered controversial and dirty i mean it would it would probably get a pg-13 now it would definitely play on uh fx network or something anyway spring break the number one film on march 25th 1983 uh moving on we're getting to the summer so of course we have a lot of uh franchise oh space hunter adventures in the forbidden zone the number one film may 20th 1983 i can tell you why that is because that was released on may 20th the next week return of the jedi was released i'm guessing it beat space hunter for the number one spot so i'm guessing may 20th everybody was just jonesing for return of the jedi they they couldn't wait they had to see something with space in it so they saw Space Hunter, uh, Adventures in the Forbidden Zone, and uh, it's no Return of the Jedi. Um, I, it has its charms. It's not terrible. Um, but it's it's no Return of the Jedi. Uh, it, it might be better than The Phantom Menace, though. I don't know. That's up for debate. Um, okay. Moving on through the summer, we have franchise films, um, sequels, Nothing really surprising. Actually, nothing surprising for the rest of 1983. So see, this started off 1980, and I thought, this is going to go on for three hours. But every year there are fewer and fewer unbelievable number ones at the box office. So that's that's uh, means uh, we're probably about halfway done here. Um, okay, moving on to the year 1984, a fantastic year for movies. Mm. And excuse me, I'm 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 sipping water while I do this, so bear bear with me through the little pauses. In fact, I looked through the entire year 1984. There, there's only, I guess, a few surprises, but even no movies. Okay, here's one surprise: February 10th, 1984, the number one film. In America was Unfaithfully Yours. Unfaithfully Yours is the, um, I believe it's a remake of a French film. It stars Dudley Moore, Nastasia Kinski, and Armand Asante. And I love this film as a kid when I saw it on cable. I don't know how it would hold up well. Um, there's a fantastic violin score. For some reason, I, I recall that. There's like a violin duel with Armand Asante and um, Dudley Moore. And for some reason, that's all I really, really remember about it. Which is kind of sad because Nastasia Kinski's in it as well. Um, but yeah, it, he's trying, I can't remember exactly what it's about. But it was kind of a dark comedy. Uh, but that was number one. Breaking, the breakdancing film classic Breaking was number one for a week. Kind of surprising, but not really. Um, that's it. Everything else... Supergirl was number one Thanksgiving weekend. Wow. I know Supergirl has its fans. Uh, I'm talking about the 1984 Helen Slater film, not the recent TV series. But Supergirl was number one on Thanksgiving weekend. I recall that film being heavily hyped. And... Um, it wasn't. It got terrible reviews, and poor Helen Slater. She played Supergirl. Um, she. Uh, it wasn't the best thing for her career, but, but she turned out doing uh, pretty well for herself. Um, uh, career-wise, she's had a very long, um, good career. Um, anyway, nothing else in 1984 is really surprising. They're all pretty well-known movies. So let's move on to 1985 and the unbelievable number ones at the box office in the year 1985. And oh, I found one. The number one film, the weekend of April 26th, was Stick. Stick, starring Burt Reynolds and 
I like Stick. I let's not take that out of context. All right. I like the film starring Burt Reynolds titled Stick. Okay. It's not great. It's very, very flawed. Um, it can't make up its mind if it wants to be a drama or a action film or a comedy. Um, but I like it for what it is. If you're a Burt Reynolds fan, you should really see Stick. Um, I'm kind of stunned that was number one. But that was the number one film the weekend of April 28th, 1985. And moving on through 85, well, Back to the Future really dominated that summer, it looks like. And, oh, here you go, here you go, here you go. A classic film was released on November 1st, 1985. It is a sequel. Um, it's an amazing movie. I'm sure if you're listening to this, you're at least aware of this film. It was number one two weeks in a row, which is great, man. The number one film, the weekends of November 1st and November 8th, 1985, was Death Wish 3. Charles Bronson uh, blowing the hell out of some scum and this glorious gang leader. I, I forgot the actor's name who plays him, but he has the reverse mohawk. Alex Winter from uh, Bill and Ted, Alex Winter. He's in it as well. Um, there's so much to say about Death Wish 3. I'm not going to get into it. But if you love bad movies, if you love action movies, if you love just insanely entertaining movies, watch Death Wish 3, please. I, I, I know it's available on some streaming services. Um, I won't get into it now, but it was the number one film two weekends in a row in 1985. And... That, for some reason, makes me feel really, really good. Um, the next weekend, November 15th, the number one film was, and this is kind of a surprise, Once Bitten, the Jim Carrey, the Jim Carrey, Lauren, Hutz, Lauren Hutton comedy, um, where Jim Carrey, he was completely unknown at this time. Jim Carrey is a virgin who is seduced by a vampire named, played by Lauren Hutton. And, uh, yeah, it was, it is what it is. It's kind of fun. It's, it's 1985. It's cheesy. There's a few laughs in it. I'll admit, I love the soundtrack. Um, but Once Bitten, the first Jim Carrey comedy to be number one, not the last, uh, was the number one film November 15th, 1985. And that's it for 1985. We move to 1986. Unbelievable number ones at the box office, and I see nothing so far that's surprising uh, going through the year 1986. Um, these are all pretty big films. Iron Eagle was number one, but that Iron Eagle was a huge film when it came out, so not really a surprise. This one's kind of a surprise. May 2nd, 1986, the number one film in the country was Jojo Dancer, Your Life is Calling. This is the Richard Pryor biopic. Um, I've never seen it, I'm ashamed to say. Um, I've heard pretty good things about it, but I, I also know it's a rather depressing film. Certainly not a, a comedy that Richard Pryor was known for at the time. Um, that's one I definitely need to see. Kind of surprised it was number one. That was the first weekend of May, uh, 1986. Moving on, we are covering... And there is nothing shocking, number one, in 1986. So we will go to 1987 and see if there's any surprising number ones on here. Once again, thank you for bearing with me. This is the first uh, the first podcast I've done, and I this is kind of a kind of an ambitious topic for the first podcast. Um, they'll get better, folks. I promise. Um, okay, let's move on to the year 1987. I'm going to do this, by the way, I'm doing this until the year 95. Because after 95, it, it, it's all remakes and nothing surprising, nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. All the number one films after 1995 are pretty standard. Um, so we're halfway done, folks. 1987, the number one film, two weekends in a row, which really surprises me, 
the weekend of January 16th and the weekend of January 23rd, the number one film was Critical Critical Condition, a Richard Pryor film that is meant to be a comedy and doesn't really work, um, unfortunately. But Richard Pryor can still draw him in in 1987, and he had the number one movie two weeks in a row, so, so that's good, and that says a lot about his star power. Uh, but Critical Condition is not um, not one of his uh, better star vehicles. He didn't, I mean, yeah, he didn't really have a great star vehicle. I mean, at least not in the 80s. Um, some of his stuff in the 70s was funny, but yeah, he, he never really never really broke through be as big of a comic as he could have been. Um, but that's a rant for another show. Excuse me. Okay, moving on through 1987. Blind Date was the number one film, March 27th, 1987. That's the, I believe that was Bruce Willis's first mainstream film. Directed by Blake Edwards, also with Kim Basinger and John Larroquette. Uh, I like Blind Date. Uh, it's not great, but I think it's kind of funny. Um, you would have a hard time getting Blind Date made today because uh, not very PC. Um, I'm all for uh, things being PC, but you know, let these movies uh, let these movies be what they are. Uh, Blind Date was the number one film the weekend of March twenty seventh, nineteen eighty seven, and there's nothing else in eighty seven that surprises me. So let's move to nineteen eighty eight. And there's nothing that surprises... Well, Police Academy 5 was number one on the weekend of March 18th, 1988. Uh, Police Academy 5 is where I officially gave up on the Police Academy series. And I think I think most people did, actually. Um, Police Academy 5 was number one. But now that, that name still had some clout in 88. So, not really a shocker. It was number one for one week. I'm sure, um, I'm sure the, um, I'm sure the, uh, people were giving up on Police Academy by then. There is nothing else surprising number one in the year 1988. I have a feeling this is going to be over real soon. <laughs> Um, let's move on to 1989 and see what the number one films were. 1989, and bear with me, folks. I apologize. Um, okay. No, nothing really number one films. No number one films are really surprising at all. These are all very popular movies. Back to the Future 2, Uncle Buck, Parenthood, Turner and Hooch. So I think we've already, by the late 80s, we've already gotten to the safe star vehicles, sequels, remakes, that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, nothing, nothing surprising in 1989. Moving to 1990, mm, no, everything is a huge star vehicle. Or Postcards from the Edge was number one. That's the Meryl Streep, Shirley MacLaine. Uh, I believe it's based off a book by Carrie Fisher. I've never seen it, so it must have been somewhat popular. Uh, it was number one for a week. And there is nothing else. Well, here's one. October 28th, 1990. The number one film was Graveyard Shift, the Stephen King um, adaptation. Graveyard Shift was number one. Now, I remember the posters for Graveyard Shift everywhere. They had a cool poster of the skull with the miner's hat on. And, um, yeah, it was very popular for a week. Then word got out that it just wasn't very good. Um... I did not like Graveyard Shift when I saw it on video sometime in the early 90s, uh, but I have revisited Graveyard Shift, and it's a pretty damn good movie. Great atmosphere, fantastic performances. Uh, the actor that 
plays the boss, the evil boss, is just amazing. Uh, Steven Mant, I don't know how you pronounce his last name, but he's very good in that. And Brad Dorf has a great cameo. And, and all the actors, I, forgive me, I don't know any of their names, but all the actors uh, in Graveyard Shift, they, you know, they, actually, they actually look like real people. They're not, you know, movie stars. Mm. And there's incredible atmosphere in Graveyard Shift. It's, it's a great movie just to watch. Uh, visually watch you can watch it with the sound off it, it, it's it's definitely worth watching if you're a horror film aficionado um giant rats it's not very scary but uh the atmosphere makes it worthwhile anyway graveyard shift was the number one film the week of august 26th 1990 and you know that's not really a surprise because it was stephen king's name it was released around halloween so I don't think that's really a surprise at all that that was number one, really. But I had to pick something from 1990, so we're going to move to 1991 and see if there are any surprises at the top of the box office for that year. And there are not. Everything's pretty standard. Well, there's a Steven Seagal movie was number one for two weekends in a row. <clears throat> the Steven Seagal film, Out for Justice was the number one film the weekends of April 12th and April 19th. Uh, Out for Justice is my favorite Steven Seagal movie. Now, I know you folks too young to really remember when Steven Seagal was a star. That might seem crazy, but it is. If you're only going to see one Steven Seagal movie, see Out for Justice. It's uh, just nonstop violence and uh, insanity and some great supporting casts or some, excuse me, some great supporting cast members. Uh, William Forsythe is the heavy, and I don't mean that as a pun. He's the bad guy in the film, and he's amazing, absolutely amazing. One of the one of the best villains ever in film. Definitely the best villain in a Steven Seagal film. Uh, William Forsythe. Um, Gina Gershon's in it. Um, who else is? Yeah, there's a couple other. Oh, uh, the guy from uh, he always. Plays the detective. I forgot his name. He was on Law and Order. Ah, can't remember his name. But anyway, Out for Justice was the number one film weekend of April twelfth and April nineteenth, nineteen ninety one. And you know, I think I contributed to uh, some of that film's box office success because I remember seeing that in the theater more than once. Yes, I'm not ashamed to admit that. Uh, May 10th, 1991, the number one film was FX2, a decent sequel to FX. FX was released in 1986, stars Brian Brown, Brian Dennehy, rest in peace. Uh, FX2 is a fair sequel. It, it's just kind of surprising that something starring Brian Brown and Brian Dennehy was actually number one. That's just... Uh, they're both great actors, uh, but not exactly box office draws. But anyway, FX2, the number one film, the week of May 10th, 1991. Moving on through the year 1991, we have no real surprises except for... Well, they're not... No, there really aren't any surprises. Um, number one at the box office in 1991 we're gonna go to 1995 and then it's over i'm not gonna mess with the rest of the years uh, this is my first podcast i want to thank you guys who's ever tuning in and bearing with me um i'm not doing this edit thing i'm just we're gonna do it raw we're just gonna just gonna keep trekking through here we're in the year 1992 the number one film the weekend of February 7th is Medicine Man, starring Sean Connery, rest in peace, and Lorraine Bracco, directed by John McTiernan, who did Die Hard and The Hunt for Red October. So John McTiernan was coming off two big hits, uh, Medicine Man, I saw it when it came out, I have no desire to revisit it, revisit it. Uh, it might be good. I I, I, I remember it being kind of weird and lame. Um, but anyway, for what it's worth, Sean Connery and Lorraine Bracco. Lorraine Bracco was coming right off of uh, Goodfellas, so she was a big draw then. 
Medicine Man, number one film, February 7th, 1992. And we have uh, nothing nothing surprising during the spring into the summer. The Damon Wayans comedy Mo Money was number one, uh, July 24th, 1992. Uh, that's kind of a surprise, but Damon Wayans was fairly well known from In Living Color, so not really a surprise. Uh, Stacy Dash is the female lead in Mo Money, and uh, I guess you really shouldn't discuss Stacy Dash these days. Um, but oh you know, wow, she kind of looks the same as she did in Mo Money. Um, you know, good for her. Um, anyway, the rest of 1992, nothing um, really surprising. We have three more years to go, folks. We're going to move on to 1993. Looking for unbelievable number one films at the box office. And March 12th, 1993, the number one film was CB4, the Chris Rock, Chris Elliott. I believe Alan Payne's in that as well. Um, that's a mockumentary about a uh, rap group. Um, I, yeah, it was pretty funny. I, I remember it uh, quite well. I think I had the soundtrack. Um, I don't remember the director's name. It was a female director. Tamara Davis, I think, was her name. Or is her name. And, um, yeah, not a terrible movie, CB4. Um, it was good enough to be number one for one week, March 12th, uh, 1993. Um, there is a much better mockumentary on a rap group, and uh, you might know what I'm going to say. The film Fear of a Black Hat um, is a much better documentary on, or mockumentary on a rap, a rap group. Um, see Fear of a Black Hat. Don't really bother with CB4. It's okay. I know Chris, Chris Rock has not said the best things about it in recent years, but I think Chris Rock's made worse movies than CB4. Um... But for what it's worth, it was the number one film for a week. Uh, oh, a few weeks later, you have Cop and a Half, the Burt Reynolds family comedy. It was number one, April 2nd, 1993. I remember that being... I mean, I remember it getting terrible reviews. Um, of course, there's a notorious Siskel and Ebert review of it, where Ebert liked it and Siskel did not. Uh, you can find all that stuff on YouTube, I'm sure. Um, but I, it was heavily, heavily hyped, um, Cop and a Half was. So, and, you know, this was when you're in your post-Home Alone years, and, you know, you have kind of family comedies that might have a little, a little edge to it. Um, so it's really not that surprising. And, you know, uh, Cop and a Half isn't as bad as, as its reputation. I mean, for a family movie. Cop and a Half, number one, April 2nd, 1993. Moving on through the summer, there's nothing surprising. Poetic Justice, the John Singleton film, rest in peace, John Singleton, uh, with Tupac Shakur and Janet Jackson was number one for a week. That's not really surprising because Tupac and Janet Jackson made all kinds of uh, uh, kind of news and there was a lot of hype around the movie. Um, it was John Singleton's follow-up to uh, Boys from the Hood, or Boys in the Hood, excuse me, and, um, you know, he was pretty hot. So it's not really surprising that was number one. Um, moving on, the number one film, September 17th, 1993, was Striking Distance with Bruce Willis and Sarah Jessica Parker. That's the one where he's a river. What he's he's a river cop or something. I uh, directed by uh, the guy that directed Roadhouse, Striking Distance. Uh, not one of Willis's better films, but a hell of a lot better than the, than the stuff he does now. Um, I'll take Striking Distance over anything Bruce Willis has done in the last decade, except for maybe uh, Glass. Um, yeah, Striking Distance was the number one film September 17th, 1993. Um, rest of 93, nothing surprising. Sequels, uh, star vehicles, um, very safe, big box office hits. 
Two more years to go, folks, because I'm just about out of saliva, and I'm not going to be able to talk much longer. I should have done a <laughs> far shorter podcast, something far less ambitious for my first one. Once again, thanks for hanging in there with me, and um, we will move on to the year 1994 and see if there's any unbelievable number ones. I don't think there are. I'm going to go to 1994. Bear with me. Okay, there are two. March 11th, 1994, the number one film was Guarding Tess, the Nicolas Cage, uh, Shirley MacLaine comedy, uh, back when Nicolas Cage could get number one films. Um, Guarding Tess is a completely forgettable comedy. It's when Nicolas Cage was doing his, kind of doing his... um, you know, safe, gentle, PG, PG-13 comedies. I saw this in the theaters, Guardian Tess. I don't remember much of it at all. But it drew enough people in. It was the number one film the weekend of March 11th, 1993. Uh, moving on through 1993... Nothing really surprising. Bad Girls was the number one film, April 22nd, uh, 1994, excuse me, not 93. Uh, Well, there's a few uh, lesser-known titles. Bad Girls was the number one film, April 27th, April 22nd, 1994. No Escape, the Ray Liotta science fiction epic. Uh, with Ernie Hudson and I've forgotten who else. Um, no Escape was the number one film April 29th, uh, 1994. Great. Ray Liotta could uh, draw in the crowds to get a number one film, even with something like No Escape. Um, I know No Escape has its fans. I'm not really one of them. Um, moving on through 94. Once again, a bunch of big... Budget Star Vehicles, sequels, um, controversial films that got a lot of hype, like Natural Born Killers. All right. Well, the last... Oh, there's two surprises. There's two surprises for the number one films on given weekends in 1994, and both of those surprises have one thing in common. They both star Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yes, there was a time when Jean-Claude Van Damme ruled the box office. Around the same time, Steven Seagal ruled the box office. Um, Excuse me. Okay, the number one films starring Jean-Claude Van Damme, they were number one at the box office. The first is Time Cop. Time Cop was the number one film two weekends in a row. My goodness. Were were we that starved for entertainment that Time Cop was the number one film two weekends in a row? The weekends of September 16th and September 23rd. Well, September is a slow time, so I guess that's the best time for Van Damme to uh, release a film. Actually, I'm a big Van Damme fan. I'm... He's he's probably the one guy from that era who's who still has uh, the acting acting action chops, if you will. Um, Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren have probably aged best out of all those guys. Um, but the other Jean called Van Damme film that was number one, The Weekend of Christmas. I can't believe this was number one. That's got to be a mistake. The number one film, The Weekend of Christmas, 1995, was none other than Street Fighter. So, I I guess that makes sense, because Street Fighter was heavily hyped. So, not really a surprise. And, and you know, I kind of like Street Fighter for what it is. It does not deserve to be the number one film of any given weekend. Yet, it was the weekend of December 23rd. 1994. Excuse me if I said 95. I'm getting tired and didn't know this would be so long. I apologize. Uh, But now I'm moving to 1995. And the number one films... The weekend of 1995. 
the last year I'm going to do, and there may not be any here because these are all rather popular films, remakes. Uh, Tommy Boy was number one on the weekend of March 31st, 1985. That's not really a surprise. Chris Farley was, pardon the pun, huge at that time. Uh, the comedy French Kiss was number one the weekend of May 5th. That's the romantic comedy with um, Kevin Klein and Meg Ryan. Uh, it's okay. It's okay for what it is. Um, it was number one for one week. Uh, Dangerous Minds was number one the weekend of August 11th. And that's not a surprise because that movie was hyped and that damn video was everywhere. In 1995, the Coolio video with Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, actually, I'm kind of surprised it was only number one for one one week. Um, uh, moving on through 1995, these are all very popular movies, or at least they were heavily hyped at their time. Uh, Too Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar. That was that was heavily hyped in its day. Uh, Toy Story, Jumanji, Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, GoldenEye, yeah, everything's... So that is the year 1995. Look, I appreciate you listening to this podcast, and I want to thank you for your time. I hope you enjoyed it. I apologize for the rambling, uh, but this is about 51 minutes according to this timer that I've been doing this, and... uh, yeah, it's the first one, so I, I know people that, that do these things, uh, they, they always look back at their first ones and they're kind of embarrassed. Just like your first time doing anything, you're a bit embarrassed and awkward doing it. Uh, that's certainly the case here, but I appreciate you listening to the podcast. The name of this podcast is It's Those Damn Enchiladas. And um, I look forward to making more episodes uh, featuring other things in the realm of exploitation films I'll, I'll mostly be covering exploitation films maybe you know some mainstream stuff i certainly talked about a lot of mainstream stuff on this show um so i may go into some mainstream films some big movies um of course this is being recorded in november of 2020 so our movie-going experience right now is radically different than it's ever been. Um, I'll try to cover some new stuff if I find it interesting, but I'm mostly uh, spotlight older films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s because those were the decades I grew up in, and I I adore some of the films uh, that I'll be spotlighting, and I'll actually be spotlighting movies I hate because there's nothing better in podcasts or YouTube rants than people complaining about movies that they hate. That's that's basically what it's all about, right? Um, so anyway, I look forward to doing more episodes. I hope you look forward to listening to them. Uh, everyone, be safe. Be careful. Don't let everything get you down. Try to stay upbeat. Uh, and enjoy the movies. Um... Because all kinds of films, it doesn't matter if they're highbrow, lowbrow, large budget, low budget, uh, junk or class, whatever the movies are, they all uh, can give you great memories. And uh, I think film is very important. And um, please enjoy the rest of these podcasts. And I'll enjoy having you listen. Everyone have a good night. Bye.